0: Good day and welcome once again to our Bible study. I hope everyone had a blessed wonderful happy holidays, wonderful Christmas and wonderful new year and hopefully this new year will be prosperous for all of us. With that being said, let's jump into today's lesson. We're going to be in the Gospel of John today, chapter 14. It's a new chapter. We'll be covering verses 1 through 14 and the title of today's lesson is that Jesus is the way to the Father. So let's just jump right into the lesson Today, covering verses 1 through 14 in the Gospel of John and chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Verse 1 says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me and you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, You do know me and you know him and you have seen him because you know me. And Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that we will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the father, how can you say Show us the Father. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it." So let's go back up to verse one. There's a lot of things going on here that Jesus is telling his disciples. And Jesus starts off and he tells him in verse 1, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, this is a commandment from Jesus. You see, he allows us to, to, to make our own decisions, I guess, so to speak, right? But here, he's telling us something. He's telling, he's giving us a command. He's telling us that if we follow him and we follow his commandments, then our hearts won't be troubled. But if we don't follow him, if we don't know him, if we don't have a relationship with him, then he's telling us our hearts will be troubled. Now, we need to understand a troubled heart in a couple of ways here, right? First, a troubled heart can mean someone who is in trouble, meaning their heart, their heart's not at peace. Their heart is not at rest. I mean, they have anxiety. They they, they have depression at times. they, They may be constantly tempted. And it's okay to be tempted as long as you don't give in to that temptation. But they doubt a lot, right? That's a troubled heart. That's one form of a troubled heart. However, there's another form. Remember the word heart in the Bible. It has to do with thinking. So we can say a troubled heart is a heart that doesn't think properly. And I'm going to tell you this. There's most people in the world. This is what they have. They don't think properly and because they don't think properly, their heart's out of focus. They don't have the right mindset and because of this, they don't grow. They don't mature spiritually and they don't become the useful servant, the useful vessel, the useful instrument that God wants them and intended them to be. Amen. Jesus goes on and tells his disciples, You believe in God, believe also in me. So the emphasis is to believe in him, Yeshua, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Because you see, if you don't believe in Jesus, then you have absolutely no hope whatsoever in this world. And because of this, you have no opportunity to think properly. And because of this, you're going to have a troubled heart. See, we're going to live out our days, all of us. And at some point in time, God's going to take us back, if you're a believer, to the kingdom of heaven. You're going to be resurrected to the kingdom of heaven. See, and it doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you've been successful in this world. It doesn't matter if you haven't been successful in this world. If you achieved your goals and your dreams or if you have not. And some people, they achieve all of this. They are wealthy, they have money, they have everything, they achieve their goals, but there's still something empty inside of them. That's the feeling that they get, that's the feeling that they have. And this is an empty heart. Why is why do they feel empty? Because they don't know Jesus. They don't know, they don't have a personal relationship with our Lord and our Savior. They don't have joy, they don't have peace. That encompasses all understanding because they're missing that relationship with Jesus because they don't know Jesus. So when he says here, don't let your hearts be troubled, what he's saying is be joyful. He's saying be content, be at peace. He's telling us experience me, have a relationship with me, trust in me. So what the scripture means to sum it up is that if we focus and we put all of our efforts in Jesus first, not the world, right? Not our wants. Then you're going to be content. Then you're going to have peace around and within you. But if you don't, if you don't trust him, if you don't believe in him, if, if, if you don't obey him. Right. In other words, if your focus is more on the things of this world then you're gonna have trouble. Then your heart will be troubled. You're gonna worry, you're gonna have anxiety, you're gonna have depression, you won't have joy, you won't have peace, there's gonna be an emptiness on the inside, no matter how much money you have, no matter how financially you, uh, you are right now. No matter if you have accomplished everything you wanted to accomplish, you still feel empty, why? Because you're missing that personal relationship with our Lord and our Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Verse 2 My Father's house has many rooms. Some of your Bibles might say mansions or habitations. Now, some Bible translations here use this word a great deal mansions. And this translation gives people a false hope. <laughs> because right away, you know what people think? Well, I, I don't. I'm not rich in this world. I'm not. I don't have a mansion here on earth. But I will want to get to the kingdom. But but this is not true. It's false. It's just a saying, right? What this text means is that my father's house has many rooms or habitations or mansion. It means a place of dwelling. It means a place of living. It means a place of habitation. See, what's important is this, and that's what Jesus wants us to see here. That you're in the father's house. That you made, that you in the kingdom of heaven, which will eventually be the kingdom of God. Amen. So this text is telling us, and it's showing us right here that he wants to fellowship with people. Continuing on in the verse, so verse two, he says, My father's house has many rooms or habitations or mansions. If if this were not so, Jesus says, What I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Now, we need to look at this from a Jewish perspective, because the word place here in the Jewish culture means God. Now, why do I say that? Because God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. So what is the point of this word in the text, right? The point is this. Jesus is trying to tell us he wants intimacy. Intimacy between himself and and God the Father. That's what he's telling us here. Verse 3, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So the emphasis here is on togetherness. Togetherness with who? With him, with Jesus. You see, he says, Where I am, you will be forever. So the question I have for you today is this. Is, is this the type of intimacy with Jesus? Is this what you want? Does this type of intimacy interest you? If, if so, and it should, if so, then it needs to be now. Jesus is saying, do it now. Don't, don't just wait till you die. Do it now by means of the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit into your heart. What's the Holy Spirit? Who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is he. It's Jesus Christ. Amen. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this verse is describing eternal life to us. And this is a promise made from Jesus himself. And and all we have to do is believe in Jesus. Believe in the one that was resurrected. Believe in what he did. The shedding of the blood, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Messiah. Amen. Amen. Verse 4, you know the way to the place where I'm going, Jesus tells his disciples here. So he's saying, you know my teachings. You know my teachings because you saw the miracles. So you should know that I'm going back to heaven to be with my Father. Now let's focus on this word know. He says, you know the way. Know means something that you not only learn, but you experienced. And you're going to continue to experience it, right? So he's saying, you know, because you experienced it. Now, how did they experience it? What am I talking about? Because they were with him for three years. They seen the miracles that he did and the miracles that he did were told by the old prophets in the old Testament. And that's exactly what he did. Amen. Verse five, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. So how can we know the way? So Thomas here is confused. Thomas saying, Jesus, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know the objective here, right? We don't know how we're supposed to get there. So what Thomas is telling us, he's saying, Jesus, man, you're wrong. Because we don't understand this. We don't know this. Now, what's the problem with this? The problem here is, this is not the problem. The emphasis is on the kingdom, but the problem is this. They don't understand what he's saying because they're not kingdom minded. They're thinking physically right? So what Jesus is saying here is that he is the kingdom and intimacy with him, having a relationship with him is the way into his kingdom. So what Thomas is showing us here is that not only he, but the rest of the disciples really don't perceive what Jesus is saying properly. Verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So he's saying here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one way, and that's through him, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is an absolute 100% correct statement. The only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's the only way. There's no other way. It's by the blood, the shedding of the blood that he did at the cross at Calvary. That is why he is the only way to heaven. That is why he is the only way to the Father. Verse 7, if you really know me, you know my Father as well. From now on, you do know me, and you have seen me. So he says right here in the first text, if you really know me. Now, He's speaking here of a remoteness. In other words, what he's saying, what he means, if you really know me, he's saying, you far away. That's what he means. And I'm going to touch on that in a second. He continues on. He says, you will know my father as well. So Jesus is saying here, if you really would know me, then you would know my father as well, meaning you far away from him, because you really don't understand me. Again, Jesus, again, in this text, he's speaking of his divinity. You see, he's saying that there is God the Father, but the only way to know him is to have a relationship with Jesus himself. He continues on, he says, from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. So right now in this text, he's speaking of himself. He's saying from this moment on, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand and I want you to know that you have seen him. Why? Because you have seen me. You see, you know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, he's saying, you know, my father, if you know me, you know my Father. Amen? Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and there will be enough, and that will be enough for us. So we see here that Philip misses the point. He misses everything. Philip here, again, is telling us the disciples, not only Philip, but the disciples, that they don't understand what Jesus is saying. Verse nine, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? So there's a lot going on here in verse nine. The first text, Jesus tells him, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me? Even after I've been around you all this time, so Jesus is saying, you still don't understand who I am. You've been with me for almost three years now, but yet you don't know me. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Here again, he's telling them, and he's also telling us that he and the father are one. It's a unity. It's the Trinity. It's the father and the son. And after, after he's ascended into heaven, he's going to leave an advocate, which is the Holy Spirit. So he's the Trinity. So, once again, Jesus is speaking of his divinity, that he is God in the flesh here, right? How can you say, Show us the Father? So, he's saying, You just don't get it. You don't understand what I'm saying because you're thinking earthly, you're thinking in the physical, you're not thinking kingdom. You're not kingdom minded. Verse 10. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? So, he's speaking. Not only to Philip, but he's speaking to all the disciples here. And what Jesus is saying is that through a permanent relationship with him, that we have a permanent relationship with the Father, with God Almighty. Now the question is this. Does your life reflect this? See, God wants us to demonstrate our faith. So going back to the scripture, Jesus tells his disciples. He says, don't you believe that I am in the Father? And the Father is in me. So, so what Jesus is doing here is that he wants us and them at that time to grow. So he wants us to mature spiritually. He wants them to mature spiritually. Why? To reveal things to them. Because when you spiritually mature, the Holy Spirit, in this case, Jesus right here, but for us as the Holy Spirit, he reveals things to us, right? As we become more spiritually and and endeavored with him in and in him. He is in the Father. The Father is in him, right? But if the Holy Spirit is in us, they are in us, amen? So the word, continuing on with the text, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. So he's saying, the words I, I tell you, that's not from me, that's from the Father. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Now, let's focus on that phrase living in me here. This word means to abide or to remain. So what Jesus is saying is that he and the father are one. The father is in him. And this shows once again that he is God in the flesh. Also, he's showing us here intimacy once again and that he, God, abides or remains in Jesus and that Jesus is abides in him, the Father. So if you look at this verse, we see two important words that Jesus uses here. He uses the words, two words. Jesus says this, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. I want to focus in on two words, work and words. Words and work are related here. Meaning this, it is the spoken word that produces action or produces a deed or produces a work, you can say. The work of God. So this shows us here that there is power of speech. Now what speech am I talking about here? I'm talking about spiritual speech. See, when we speak the truth of God, in a situation it brings about an outcome that he has glorified that 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 he is he is satisfied with why because you speak in the truth spiritual truth that's why knowing the word and getting in the word is so important people He says, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work, right? Words work. They're related. Why? Because the power of his speak, the power of his teachings, spiritual speech. Verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So what he's saying here is that if you aren't willing to accept my words, then I'm going to tell you this. You're not going anywhere. You you lost, right? But if you do accept it, right? Then the outcome is going to be what? It's going to be miracles. It's going to be that that, that God is going to work in your favor. Look what he says. Believe me when I say this, that I am in the Father. So he says this twice already. That's very, very important. You have to believe that they are one. It's, it's, It's one. They're unity. It's unity. He continues on, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Now, he's talking about I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Then he says, or at least believe on the evidence. Now, why does he say that, right? Because Jesus went around Galilee, Jerusalem, right? Samaria, what he did? Went around Israel. He did what? Miracles. And because his miracles point back to the Old Testament that confirm the teachings of Messiah. And it is the teachings of Jesus that should lead us, that should make us, that should make him the Lord of our lives. And once he's the Lord of our life, of your life, his teachings, rather than whether we understand them or we don't understand them, we, 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 we need to submit to them. Why? Because he's our master. And that's what a servant does. A servant submits to his or her master. And Jesus is our master. So this passage is also teaching about obedience here. So he's saying he and the father are one. He's talking about unity. He's talking about divinity. He's talking about that he's God in the flesh. And he's saying you need to accept my words that I tell you, because you'll, the words that I tell you become good deeds, become good works. He's saying if you do this, then you're going to have to come to the conclusion that there was only God and me that did these miracles, and we know that the Old Testament prophets. Stated this they prophesied this That Jesus would come on the scene and that Jesus would do all these wonderful miracles to show who he really is that he is God in the flesh. So we need to make him Lord of our life We we, we need to make him first priority of our life. Why? Because he's our master and we his servant verse 12 very truly. I tell you he says Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Now, why does he say this? Well, he's already alluded to it in in, in a previous text when he says that he and the Father are one, that the Father is in him and he is in the Father, right? But you see, if he is in the Father and the Father is in him, but we have a relationship with him by means of the Holy Spirit, then they're in us. And therefore, in the same way that the Father does the work through him, He will do the work through us, amen? Continuing on. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, why does he say this? All of this is for one purpose. He's saying all of this to manifest the Spirit of God. Verse 13. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Look at that first text. He says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name. He's talking about His will. He's talking about God the Father has a plan for your life. Jesus has a plan for you. And that plan is connected to His kingdom. It's for a kingdom purpose. Right? So He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. What he means is this. If it's kingdom related, if it's within my will, if it's within my plan, then you can ask for it and you're going to get it. I mean, look at Jesus' life, right? Jesus was son of a carpenter. I mean, they were poor. They didn't have a whole lot. They didn't. They didn't have much at all. But he was here for a reason. He was here to do the will of his father. And Jesus was obedient to his father's plan. Now we know what that plan was, right? That plan is that for him to go to the cross. And it shows us that he was obedient to the father. That he did the father's will perfectly. Remember, Jesus didn't do what the world told him. And, and because of this, the world what? The world turns on him. The world hates him right? Jesus did what the Father told him. He was obedient to the Father. And that's what that's why the world hates him. And it tells us something. That when we become a believer in Christ Jesus and we become a follower and a disciple and a servant, that we're also going to be rejected. We're going to be rejected. Why? Because we're doing his will. We're doing the Father's will. We're not following the rest of the world. See, there's a separation, there's a line. The flesh, which is the world, or the spirit, which is the kingdom. What side are you follow on today? Continuing on with the verse. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So, so he says, going back, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The son. Now, what does he mean here? Jesus is saying, I want you to follow my example. I want you to follow how I lived. I want you to make the decisions that I made. Why? So in the end, the Father will be glorified the same way, that he was glorified of what I did. Now, you might ask, why? Why, Father? Intimacy. Relationship. It's the emphasis of love. So in the same way that Jesus is saying that I glorify my Father, you, me, you, us, we can glorify the Father as well through him by means of the Holy Spirit. So our prayer should be to ask God by means of the Holy Spirit. God, what plans do you have for me? What do you want me to do for your kingdom? What is the will for you from my life here as far as kingdom standards? And we need to be obedient to that. And we need to follow that. Because you have a gift and a talent. All of us do. But it's kingdom related. It's for the purpose of his kingdom. For doing something positive for his kingdom. See, Jesus isn't saying right here that his disciples will do more amazing miracles than he did. No. No. I mean, think about it. Raising people from the dead is pretty impressive, right? He's not saying that we're going to do that. Jesus is saying by the power of the Holy Spirit that works through each one of us that we can take what he tells us, right? The truth, scripture might be just serving. And we can carry that with us and we can bring good news, About the kingdom, about Jesus, about heaven, the eternal kingdom of God. And he's telling his disciples this because they can take this to Palestine. They can take it to the rest of Israel. They can take it to the rest of the Middle East, which was the world back then. Last verse for today. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So he states this again. Showing us how important it is to do the Father's will, to do God's plan, to walk in obedience to the Father in our lifetime. Now, when Jesus says you can ask for anything, what he means is this according to God's character, according to the kingdom, not your physical wants. See, he will not fulfill our selfish, fleshly desires. Unless he might. Very seldom he does. Unless he intends you to change and make a difference for someone, for people, that's in accordance with kingdom standards. Amen? And that ends our lesson for Today, we're going to be back next week. We're going to continue on in the Gospel of John, chapter 14. We're going to try to finish it next week. If not, uh, we're going to have three lessons in this uh, chapter 14, but I'm going to try to get it in all in two next week. Uh, we appreciate you all tuning in. Once again, go, go be a blessing for someone this week. Uh, you know, if this Bible study encourages you, I, I, I invite you to, to, to share it with with family members, with friends, with loved ones, maybe with someone that needs to hear the word of God. You know, no one's never too far gone. They're never lost, too far lost for God to save them. It's only one step away for God, right? But they need to do their part, and they need to surrender to Christ by means of the Holy Spirit and ask Jesus to come into their heart. And I believe the word of God right here, the truth of God is a good way to get people to know God, To know what he expects from us. To know what our purpose here on this earth is. And it's not fleshly. It's for him. It's for the Father. And it's for his kingdom. Until next week, we love you guys and God bless.